Hey, hon, you have just tuned in to My Boss Circle on your favorite podcast platform. I am your boss host, Alexis Sierra, founder of My Boss Circle and business strategy coach. My Boss Circle podcast empowers a network of women entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs to build scalable businesses through boss conversations and relationship building. I am so excited today because we have one of my boss friends ready to interview with us today and share her story. I'm so, so, so excited. This week on My Boss Circle, we have entrepreneur and digital and social media marketing expert, Casey Knox. Welcome, Casey Knox, to The Circle. Hey, hon. Hey, Alexis. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm excited. Thanks for having me today. I've no, I mean, I probably had a boss conversation before, but now it's like branded. So I'm really excited to have a boss conversation today with you. <laughs> yes, yes, I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I'm so excited because you bring so much to the table. I mean, 20 years of experience in the digital and social media marketing. So let's just get into it. So Casey, tell us a little bit about your background and your business. Okay. So I pretty much, I don't know. I mean, I'm a marketer and so I got into digital and social media, but I've been a hustler my whole life. <laughs> so, I mean, when I was 10, I enjoyed doing people's hair. So I would go around and charge money and do beauty pageants and do proms. And so I was, I'm always trying to look and say, what skills do I have and how can I monetize it? And I've been doing that since I was a kid. And so I got really lucky. I got in the restaurant business uh, in my early 20s, just like every, a lot of other people that are going to college and waiting tables. And mm -hmm. I got really interested in marketing when I was in the restaurant business. How can we get people to come to the restaurant? What are some creative ways to, to, uh, to get them to come and then come back again? So I just started these different programs. And then uh, that was kind of my first taste of marketing and that was, you know, I was collecting a paycheck, going to college, but then I was also just trying to work outside my box. And that's another thing that I just try to do where I, I have, you know, something I'm supposed to be doing. And, but then I go, how can I take it a little bit further? And so that was kind of the beginning of, of where my career first started just within marketing alone. And then really when it started in a digital and social was actually when Twitter launched in 2007. So social media was just launching and Facebook was out there launching and Facebook business pages. And I got really interested in it because I think it's, you know, word of mouth is, is the tried and true way of marketing. And that's that, you know, you can say you're great all day long, but if somebody else says your business is great, that's, that's marketing and that's better. And so social yeah. media is word of mouth online and it's people having conversations and the ability for brands to have conversations. And I'm, I'm a social person. So that that's always been an interesting thing for me. And so I jumped in head first at the beginning and I've never looked back and I've been I've been really blessed. I've worked on the agency side. I've worked on the corporate side. And then I've even started my own side hustle because that's, I've been doing that, like I said, since I was a kid where I'm like, I want to help as many people as I can. So I, you know, try to dip my toe in on the other, anytime I can with trying to find different clients and people that I can help. The hardest part, I think my biggest challenge when I started all this was how do I make money? Because anytime you have a skill yeah. and it's professional, people 
want you to all your friends want you to do it for free mm-hmm. <laughs> and like we were saying mm-hmm. earlier i'm a big fan of free 99 but yeah but when it comes to my bank account and my and my you know and trying to build my uh revenue streams then I've, you've got to try to put a price tag on it and so yeah i did that and i committed to doing that and that that's really helped me from an entrepreneurial standpoint uh from there out as well that's good that's good good stuff so so I know we, I know you just hit on it a little bit. Tell us about kind of what you did uh, funding wise um, to start your business. You know, did you have like a certain amount of money that you saved up and set aside? You dig into your 401k, got a loan, any type girl, of grants or anything? Well, girl, since I, I am lucky that marketing is heavily, it's service-based. So you need a creative mind check. You need a laptop. So I asked for that for a graduation present from college. You needed an Adobe Mark. Creative Suite subscription, uh, which if you're a student, it's really cheap. So I'm I was all about trying to just get all those things. You need a Wi-Fi connection, and I need a I need some good coffee. <laughs> and that's that. I mean, so for me, I didn't really have to go out there and find investors. Now I do have it on my on my life list or my bucket list. Like I have a list of inventions and there's there's a whole other side of my life that I'm working on tapping into. But as far as marketing goes and digital marketing, you need a laptop creativity, Wi-Fi, and some carve out some time and then you just find people and hit the ground running and start helping people. So for me, the the money part wasn't as big of a challenge as it is for other people that are trying to start a business. Uh, be, mm-hmm. because when you're in the service business, you know, I'm providing a service and, and that has to do with, with, with my mind. So it was the, the startup costs really yes. weren't that bad. Nice. Nice. So, so did you have to have any type of training, any special certifications or degrees to really do what you do? So I got my degree in marketing. So I got a business management degree in marketing, uh, from UTC and uh, okay. it was a great school. Uh, but I, even when I was in college, I knew I wanted to do marketing and I would get marketing jobs. So I've been heavily uh, focused on field experience. And I, I always think field experience rules. And really when digital came out, they, the colleges, they, it, they even today, they have, they have a hard time keeping up with the pace of business and the pace of innovation and the pace of, of how digital marketing is going. And so I, I even try to commit my time. Like when I lived in Chattanooga, you know, I just moved to Atlanta. When I lived in Chattanooga, I would go and visit the colleges and speak to the students there and uh, do presentations on marketing just to try to keep them up with what was going on. But, uh, but, and now that I'm in Atlanta, I have a goal to do that as well. But okay. Nice, nice, nice. So I want to shift gears a little bit. Um, so before you kind of, um, started this successful journey, um, in marketing, what are some of the, the hiccups that you hit in the road? Did you have any types of failures, any things you wish you could have done differently, um, to help make your business a success? So I would say that some of the failures that I've come across, because like I'm a hustler, even in, even I'll go back to even when I was in high school, I would go to school and I had two different jobs because I just, mm-hmm. I love making money and money motivates me. So, yeah. um, but I would say, because I like to collect a paycheck because I like to have a job, I've been working for a long time and I actually added it up one time and I've had 25 different 
pay cut, paycheck collecting jobs in my life. Now I'm getting into mm-hmm. the failure part. <laughs> so just stay with me. But, so when you have that many jobs, you're going to have bosses that you conflict with and that you have personality clashes with. So I've been let go from probably three or four jobs. I've been fired probably three or four times in my career. Um, mm-hmm. And that that's a humbling experience, but and probably the first time it happens, you know, you blame yourself and you think, but then I, I've come to the terms of the fact, sometimes things don't work and sometimes breakups have to be quick and, and black and white, and it can't be a transitional process. So some of the failure times in my life are, are just getting let go. And, and, mm-hmm. and trying to figure out how to start over, how to reinvent yourself, which I'm not afraid to do that. So one thing about myself is that helps me probably uh, is that I love change and change kind of fuels me and I get excited about it, whether it's rearranging my office space or whether it's looking for like when I was at Area 203 Digital, I was uh I was in the account services department and so then I but then it was 2007 when Twitter was launching and I and I was looking around the agency and I was like we don't have a social media department so I put together a business plan presented to the president was like we need to do social media we need to offer it to our clients and mm-hmm. I don't know it yet but I'm gonna learn it and I and I faked it till I made it and I became an expert in social media um and and I and I didn't look back from there on so I mean uh, from a failure standpoint, some, from a setback standpoint, I would I would say maybe just getting let go sometimes from jobs um, yeah. would, would kind of set me back sometimes. But also, I think we're like, as a female, I think sometimes I'm my own worst enemy where I can get too much inside my head about something. I can get self-doubt. But I just, mm-hmm. I, I think the key to, to kind of balance all that is to stay motivated, stay focused, and stay passionate. And I always yeah. try to to stay grounded and I'm a spiritual person. So that's a big part of my life as well. But, um, I, I would say I, I've been really blessed. Like the, I, I try not to focus on the setbacks and failure, but I'm not afraid of them either. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to fall and I'm not afraid to take risks. And, yeah, uh, you know, I've, I've been taking, I've been taking risks. And I think if you're 75% sure, or 50% sure about something, I think it's worth, I think it's worth trying or worth, jumping into and you may it may work out it may not like I just moved to Atlanta and I got you know I have a, I always have a full-time gig but then I always have a side hustle and and so the marketing stuff is my side hustle and and one day it may be my full my, my full-time gig I don't know but um but I, I really am enjoying the season of life of moving to a new city and all the opportunity that I'm from Maryland DC area and so I'm from a big city and I, I love I love the energy and I love the pace. Yeah. And so I'm so happy to be in the now and, and to see what happens, you know, 20 years into my career, changing cities is a big deal because I had all kinds of connections and my network was all set up and I'm, I'm kind of at a crossroads now where I need to build a new network. And, and, uh, and it's not, so some people could say, Oh, moving to a new city is a setback. And it's, I think it's a short term setback, but I think the long term payoff is going to be bigger than, than anything I ever had. Definitely. So that brings up another question. So when you're relocating to a new city, because that's definitely something that I did when um, when I started building my business, I came to a place where no one knew my name. I only had about 25 people who knew me and wanted to start a business here. Um, What steps do you take uh, now that you relocated and now that you need to rebuild your network? You know, are, are there certain organizations, events that you go to? What's some of the things that you do? So I would say there's 
about three different things that I've been, that I've been doing. Like even when I, when I thought that I, I might move to Atlanta. So these are the things that I've been doing. So I was the president of the American Advertising Federation, also known as AAF. It's a national organization. It's kind of like PRSA or AMA. It's a marketing association. It's a nonprofit. So I was president for two terms in Chattanooga. So that gave me access to people nationwide. And so I've been building a network. You know, I would be doing myself a disservice if I had been in social media since 2007 and I haven't been building a a global network. (laughs) Because if you're on social media, you're global. So I've been working on that for years. Right. But, you know, moving to a new city, you kind of, with those face to face connections, you kind of have to start over. So as soon as I moved here, I tapped into the Atlanta um, Advertising Club and I uh, set up a membership. And, you know, COVID 19 is, has kind of slowed down those face-to-face connections, but that's one thing I did. Another thing I did was on Facebook, there's a group called Marketing and Communications Women of Atlanta. Now, if you are passionate about marketing, if you care about it, if you are interested in doing it, whether you're in college, your middle career, your senior, you need to be in that group. It's 15,000 women. It's such a strong community. They post jobs all the time. Mm -hmm. They post motivational stuff. They post, um, you know, people post advert like marketing advertising examples, and people critique them. But it's a really, it's a really powerful network of women. So I, I found and I joined that group. And then another thing I've been doing is I have some connections around me, and um, and this is a this is a risk, but this is something that I feel like I need to do. So I have a friend right now, and she owns a bakery, and I'm branding her, and I'm going to build a website for her, and I'm not really going to charge her anything, <laughs> but that's going to get my name out there. So right. I'm willing to do, take some risks because you know I'm forty and I and I'm middle career, and so I could have came into town and, and I actually did find some project work, and it's it's actually not that hard to find, you know, with the online resources like Indeed.com and uh, simply hired. A lot of these websites offer, they'll show you remote opportunities. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I, I see a remote opportunity is, Hey, that actually might be a project. So I'm going to reach out to that company and see if they need my services. So I don't, I don't read anything at face value. I always try to look beyond the surface and say, what else can I tap into? So, so the AAF thing, uh, joining that Facebook group, offering free services, and then also just looking for opportunities that could turn into um, could turn into something, whether it's, you know, something that's advertised as remote or, um, or even just looking for projects, but online is awesome. Like there's like, you know, there's so much untapped potential. I think people are are still figuring out, uh, the online world, even different industries. Uh, like through this COVID-19 thing, I started when, if I need to go to the doctor, I, I download the app and I, and I go online with a video chat with the doctor and that's new stuff, but mm-hmm. video has been around forever and the internet and smartphones have, but we're just tapping into new things. So there's, there's all kinds of opportunities from a marketing standpoint. So I, I really, really love how you said that you have to kind of offer to do some things for free just to market yourself, even as a marketing expert, you know, that's, oh. yeah, that stuff is important. And people, well, people automatically think they have to charge or that they should charge someone when they really don't have a track record, maybe in a, a particular industry vertical or um, just, you know, in a particular um, area as well. You know, we were talking about money earlier and I like, I'm not sure if I can write it off if I do it for free, but I'm going to look into it. You know, I'm all, I'm, cause I do my own taxes and mm-hmm. stuff. So like, but also I, you know, I'm philanthropic and, 
I'm a Gen X and I think millennials are like this too, where you kind of just have that natural philanthropic side to you. And so I'm going to, I'm going to look, I want to look for speaking yep. opportunities even here and talk to the college kids and talk to peers. And my goal is to get paid to speak, but I also want to go and I'm passionate about speaking and, and, and trying to help people, whether it's learn a new skill or become more passionate about something. So I'm, I'm looking for speaking opportunities as well beyond just doing marketing services, just because I, I enjoy doing it. So why not? I feel like. So, so basically what, what is so unique about this interview is that uh, even though we're both entrepreneurs, we are actually uh, employees, senior leaders at the same company. (laughs) So, which is actually how I met you. And when we both were coming on to the company, we both had additional um, outside contracts that we were working on that we had to finish before we, we were willing to take on a full-time role. Um, but I, what, what I thought was really great about you just in, in just meeting you, just the first meeting that we had when we had a strategy meeting and you were just, we were all just throwing words out there. I was like, Oh my gosh, this girl really knows what she's doing. <laughs> like <laughs> I have been around. Sometimes I don't always feel like I do, but I go with it. But but I think I'm going to say fate yeah. brought us together because we are we are so like minded, and you're such a hustler, and you're so passionate, Thank and you're you. such an expert at what you do. So I was, I was, you're, you know, if if that's the, I love where we work now. But if if the only thing I walk away with after you know a year is the fact that we met, I would be Same so happy. Here. I'm just going to say that because I feel like I feel like you, like you're just a part of my network now, yeah. and I'm a part of yours, and. And I can't wait to see just even what happens from that standpoint, which look exactly, we're exactly. Together, so. And I, I, I love, <laughs> I love how creative you are and your approach to things, because the way that you may see a certain topic or even an email, because, you know, I love to run emails by you. <laughs> <laughs> emails are important. So I love that you do. I, I, I think emails are so important. Uh-huh. Sometimes it takes but, but when you finish it. <laughs> I mean, it has, I pretty much can give you kind of the meat and, and you will really figure out how to make it work and how to make it pop so that it really catches the eye because anybody can write an email and listen, I have seen some almost five page pages long emails from people where they're doing all this highlighting. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh, I know. I I love when somebody sends me a five page email, like when they want me to help them drill it down. Cause I'm like, I'm going to get this down to one paragraph. And my, my goal with email, and this is, I, this is kind of a, like, yeah. there's a, like from a secret sauce standpoint, the, the secret to writing a great email is to leverage some of those easy tools. Like if you send an email and the whole thing is 10 point font, then you might be doing, you might need to work on it a little more. You might need, some of those words might need to be 18 fonts. Some might need to be 10. You might need some bold words in there. You might need some underlines. And so the goal in that though, is when you send an email, you want somebody, cause you don't know where somebody is in their day and you don't know where somebody mm-hmm. is professionally. So you want everybody to read that email. You want to be able to read it from a, from a high level 20,000 foot, or you want to be able to read it from 5,000 feet. So if somebody wants to read it top to bottom, they can, or if they want to scan it, you want anybody to be able to get the highlights. And then if possible, I always like to throw a photo or a picture or graphic in there because some of us are more visual than, than we are with reading things and we retain it better. And so 
if you try to play to all those strengths of, of people, then you're more likely to send a successful email. I could probably talk for an <laughs> I hour I really about love, though, right now. <laughs> how you think outside of the box when it comes to any type of marketing piece. Like, I still cannot get over um, how you use the, uh, the song, <laughs> Hello, Is It Lee's You're Looking For It? Like, really, really unique stuff. Oh, my gosh. It's because I love music. I love, yeah, yeah, I know. And that's just luck. But like, I don't know. I let my brain, I just let my mind wander. And I just, I love trying to be creative and just think of ideas for things. And uh, it's hard because people ask me that all, they're like, how do you come up with this idea? And I'm like, I wish I was like, you do these three things and then the idea comes. But it's part of it is it just comes to me. And, And so my goal is to just, be as uh, be a part of as many brainstorms as possible because I do think that just like negativity and just like positivity, yeah. I think creativity is contagious. And I think that if you start thinking a certain way and other people can vibe off of that, then they can channel in and tap into more creative aspects within themselves. Because I will say this all day long: like marketing is not rocket science. You don't have to go to school and have thirty five certification. And you you know, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk bad about certifications because I think they're great. And I I think school is great. And I think, I think having a degree is great, but like just creativity can be so contagious. And if you bring different minds together, and I think the more diverse you can bring together that I'm a big fan of diversity because I think everybody has the more different backgrounds you bring together, the better the creativities can be. So I think it's contagious. Yeah. Even like like you were just saying the diversity aspect. You know, I noticed that in a lot of companies now, they have um, a regular marketing approach that they have, that strategy that they have, and then they have more of a diversity, multicultural marketing approach. Um, What would you say, um, you you know, I know that you've been doing this a long time. Um, What has been your approach to making sure that all of your marketing is inclusive? Because I know that's something that you're all about, especially with the pictures and stuff. So I'm a... (laughs) I am so I mean so I always tell companies because I've I've worked I've done work for um commercial businesses people that have that uh business to business and business to consumers so business to consumers when you're a business and you're trying to get consumers in and trying to draw them in to buy your product or service and then business to business for anybody that's listening doesn't know business to business is when you know, you're a business and you're trying to work with another business uh, to get their attention and to get, you know, the revenue at the end of the day. But so the world is made up of so many different people. So I think my approach, like no matter who I'm working with, a lot of times I don't see as much diversity as I'd like, but to, to paint a true picture of the world, you want it to be diverse and you want, you, you want, you know, there's all different types of, uh, of people in the world. And so whether they speak English or Spanish or French or no matter what they look like, you want to try to tap into the potential of Mm -hmm. of what your true audience is. So say you have an audience and it's most likely to be one gender or one culture. What I tell people is what's the vision of your business and do you aspire to have more than this, just this gender, just this age group or just this culture? And what's the vision? And so if their vision is bigger than that, then I say, let's let the marketing be that way and our goal to bring in those different audiences. And so 
I call it aspirational marketing where you might not have it right then and Mm -hmm. there, but if that's what you want, then you're going to, your people relate to people that they can, people are more related. Like if they see somebody that looks like them or they, somebody sounds like them or somebody acts like them, they relate to it. And so you see it a lot in TV commercials and stuff. And, and it makes me so happy because that's the true picture of the world. And nowadays, if you have a website, you're global. So you have the opportunity to reach so many different audiences and so you know of all different walks of life whether that's age gender culture so um so i have an aspirational approach to marketing uh because i i think that that's important i think that not everybody's represented and i think it's hard and i think you know you, you we can sit around and go well you know you can look at somebody's marketing and go that's not their audience but at the end of the day, if that's what they aspire and that's what they want to bring in, then I think that that's a good goal. And, I, you know, I think that you could sit around and, and judge like what their intentions are. But I my I would hope I like to try to look at the good in things. So if I see somebody's marketing diverse, I'm like, oh, well, they're trying to they're trying to reach a diverse audience because that's how the world is made up. So to me, it's it's I don't even it comes naturally mm-hmm. because I, I've always felt that way. But. I don't th- like, you know, I haven't been at a corporate office, the same corporate company for 20 years. I'm blessed to have worked at a, bear, uh, a lot of different startups and different types of businesses. I was in banking, I was in hospitality and, and the hotel business. Um, now I'm in like a, like a tech business and there's so many different people, even, even at our company. Now we have, uh, we, we've got some good diversity going on. So I, I, I feel like there's just so much oppor- untapped opportunity mm-hmm. when it comes to how people market. Um, and I, I want that to be one of my focuses or something that I can, something that I become really, I, I try to be good at, it, but I want to be better at it even. And I, I want to be known for that. Like I'd love 20 years from now to be known. Oh, you know, she's really great at diversity and she knows how to bring, bring people in and get brands yes, to appeal to the right audiences. So that's a, mm-hmm. that's a continued Like you have to be intentional. I think about diversity I think you have to be, I want to be intentional about everything I do. You know, I don't want to just shoot out the side of my hip. I want to be thoughtful and intentional about things. And some things come naturally to me, but, but the more intentional we can be, I, I think the, I think we can have a greater impact. Okay. And we're back. So um, definitely what I really want you to do now is really just give some tips and advice for our current and future entrepreneurs, you know, as it relates to marketing their business or brand. Okay. So I I have a few key things because I, you know, I talked to businesses that have been around for 20 years and businesses that are just getting started. And when it comes to digital and social, there's a lot of uncertainty around that because people, if they don't spend time in it themselves, if they're not on LinkedIn every day or Twitter or Instagram uh, or looking at websites, then then they're not sure about how to approach it themselves. So these are some key things that, that I always tell people to do. Now, if you have a website or you're building your website and you are also thinking about email, but you're not really sure to how to approach it, what I always tell businesses is you start collecting those emails. Now, mm-hmm. if you don't have an audience base set up already, because if you have clients, then you, then you have their email. You just need to pull them all together. But if you want to start looking for new business and new lead opportunities, you need to give people a way to, to reach out to you. And so, or for you to reach back out to them. So you need to start collecting emails and there's a lot of easy ways to do that, but that would be the first step uh, is, is to figure out how to collect emails. If you have a business, if you have a storefront, if you, 
then have a sign up sheet and say and, and just ask for it or let them write it down and say, I'm going to be sending out sales and promotions. I'm, I'm probably going to be doing this within the next few months. Uh, and so this is an easy way to kind of get that first. So you know what's going on and you can get those opportunities uh, before other people. And so that, you know, you're incentivizing the idea a little bit for them. And so then you can collect email addresses. So that's one thing that I always tell people to do. Even if you're not ready to send email, start collecting them. The second thing mm-hmm. I tell people to do, if they're not sure about social media, the best thing, even for a business owner, because a lot of times business owners are like, well, I don't have time to deal with marketing or I don't want to mess with it. You still need to understand it and you don't have to be an expert in it. You don't have to spend eight hours a day in it, but you need to have an overall understanding of it. So what I tell people to do is go, especially business owners, is go out there and grab your social media profile. So set up your business, Facebook business page, even if you don't plan on using it, just grab the name and establish the name, go on to Instagram and grab the name, go on to mm-hmm. LinkedIn and, and start the business page, go on to Twitter and do it. And you might not turn these pages on, but at least grab the profile because the, the thing that you can do, if you have it and you have it set up, you don't have to start having a conversation. You don't have to start speaking. You don't have to create or start conversations, but you should go out there and listen and you should go out mm. there and use it as a listening tool and That's get good. comfortable and understand how Twitter works, understand how the hashtags work, understand all the different, like the different possibilities. It's funny because when Twitter came out, hash, hashtags happened by accident. Uh, it wasn't something mm. that Twitter put out there and Twitter was like, we're going to create hashtags and it's going to tag on a post and it's going to make things viral. They had no idea. And this, that was actually started by the, by the community and by the audience. And, and now it's just a huge thing. And, and, you know, hashtag this and hashtag that. And we all, you know, you, even people's personal brands, we expect them to almost have a hashtag nowadays, uh, like hashtag my boss circle or hashtag boss versations. Those are things that, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. as I'm t- when I go out there and talk <laughs> about this podcast that we're having, I'm going to, I'm going to go out there and use those hashtags. So, but going yeah. back to what I was saying is, is going out there and grabbing them. The other thing that, you know, if you have an idea for your business, like I always go back to Chick-fil-A and the, uh, and the eat more chicken thing where that was a, actually a campaign, but then it became part of their branding, those cows and the Chick-fil-A mm. thing. It's like, like when, now, whenever you see a cow, like even if it's, if it's standing up, you automatically, if you see a cow on a billboard and you don't see the Chick-fil-A <laughs> logo, you still know that it's Chick-fil-A. And it's funny yeah. because sometimes what starts out as a campaign can actually end up becoming part of your brand. So, mm. so, so for, for that reason, anytime you think you have a good campaign idea, I always tell people to go out there and buy a domain. So uh, like for eat more chicken and it's chickens even spelled wrong, but they owned it. And it's just funny because it's part of their, it's part of the campaign, but now it's part of their brand, but go out there and buy the domain, like, you know, in a domain for those who, who don't speak digital yet, it's, you know, go to GoDaddy or go to one of these domain providers. And it's, you know, like the www dot, you know, whatever my boss or, you know, go out there and buy that domain that way nobody yes. else can get it. And that way you're Correct. grabbing the idea and you're kind of, you know, you're, you're, you're holding on to it so you can do something mm-hmm. with it. The great thing about domains is there's coupons out there. You can buy domains for like five or six or $10 and, and hold even on 99 cents. And that's for the whole, <laughs> yes, girl, free nine. And that's for the whole year. So like, you know, mm. it's five or 10 bucks a year. So I, I'm a domain squatter. I'll think of a good idea. Even like yep. my maiden name is De Pompa, which is Italian. And so I went out there uh-huh. one day and was like, I'm going to go buy depompa.com because maybe I'm going to do something with that one day. Maybe not. But like, uh-huh. so, so that just gives me something to hold on to later. So I always tell people to do that. And plus that gets you kind of 
your brain thinking around digital and marketing and it's healthy to do that. And you don't have to spend all day building websites because you've got other stuff to do if you're a business owner, if you're just getting started, things like that. But it lets you kind of dabble in it and it gives you an idea of how it works. So you've got to be curious and you've got to, you know, that's just like just a natural part of being an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, or an idea person is you want to be curious. And so you need to be curious enough to take action and it doesn't cost an arm and a leg to do that stuff. So you got to be able to set aside some time to go out there and listen on social media, try to collect people's email addresses and go out there and buy, buy some domains and, and hold on to them. So those, those are some like some, some small level advice that I would give people that can actually have a bigger, big impact later on in your business. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Listen, I am a, a domain squatter myself. Yes. <laughs> I, um, listen, you better get out there and buy your name. Oh my goodness, I do. I do. I tell them. I'll even my sister. She like you know when we talk when I talk about boss stuff and boss conversations and boss circle. Like my family is really inspired. My mom is such a hard worker and. She, Mm -hmm. she motivates me. My grandmother owned her own cleaning business. So she was an entrepreneur and my sister is in, yeah. And she's an Emmy winning report. So she wins Emmys and we're super competitive. My whole family is. So I'm like, (laughs) the only way I can beat her is if I win the Nobel peace prize or something, which I'm not on the track to do that, but it's on my list because I'm like, how do I beat her? (laughs) But, but, but then I was also, because I'm competitive and her last name's DePompa and she's a reporter. So she has to keep her last name, even though she's married. Cause people know her brand and so but yeah. I went out there and bought the pompa.com so I was like so but anyway I just <laughs> I think that kind of it's fun and healthy to be competitive it. it's good but uh, it is it is it is it and it does driven. help that yeah it helps that you get that that you've actually seen other women before you and your family do this you know what I mean make their oh. own their own brand name and start their own business it doesn't matter what type of business it is you know, it's the fact that they have done something that is their own, where they are not depending on anyone else to um, to really, you know, fund fund whether it's a life, the life that they want, um, you know, or just things that they things that they want to provide for their family. They found oh. they found ways to do that, just using the skill set that they have that they were born with. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. I, think and, great. I do too. I think just you know. Figuring out, like I'm on a, I'm on an endless journey to, to try to figure out. I even think I, I might have skills and things that I haven't even figured out yet about myself. So I'm just on an endless pursuit to grow and to evolve. And I want to be a chameleon. Like I want to be able to kind of do different things and and have different walks of life. And I want to stay true to who I am and, and my core strengths. But I just, I'm always looking for untapped potential, whether it's in myself or other people. Yeah, I, I think that's that's really important. So what advice would you give to your future self since we're talking Ooh. about things in the in the future? <laughs> future self. So. Yes. <laughs> Especially, you I know, mean, you went through a lot and you've experienced a lot, you know, so. I, yeah, mm-hmm. I have. <laughs> so, OK, so my future self, I know I always have to because some people are like, you know, what would you tell your younger self? And so I think about that, too. So. As far as my future self goes, I mean, I want to always take more risks. I, I'm, I'm hugely motivated by adversity. So I'm not mm. afraid of the haters. I'm not, a, you know, the hardest thing for me is when I have, I'll tell you one of my biggest challenges in my entire career and mm-hmm. not to put people on, not to put people on blast, but I have had female bosses in my career that are 
they're they're bosses though like as far as like they're boss women and they're very strong personalities but the mm-hmm. hardest thing for me is when i come across other females that some because i'm a strong personality and because i'm so motivated i feel like sometimes i i threaten them or they feel threatened by me yep. and that can that hurts the business that hurts the mm-hmm. morale of the company mm-hmm. that hurts the culture and i try to stay away from that and so what so my advice to my future self is I mean, there's certain things that I've always done that I kind of want to keep doing. So and a great example of this is you you should almost treat your employees almost like they're the boss. Like some people have a have a chip on their shoulder and they have to overemphasize that they're the boss. But I like yeah. to empower, empower, empower people that I manage. And so, for instance, it actually paid off. So I had an employee at a, at a digital agency and I hired her. And then I ended up working at a digital agency later and she ended up being my client. So in a way she was my boss because she would tell me what she wanted. And, and so I was like reporting to her. And so, but it was, she came to me and she worked for the American heart association. So I got to come up with all these campaign ideas for their uh, go red for women campaigns. And I, and it was such a fun, and I got to be a part of such a fun project, but I wouldn't have had all that if I treated her bad or if I was mean to her. And she, you know, she she might Mm -hmm. be, she might be five or six or 10 years younger than me, but I, I don't, you know, that, that doesn't scare age doesn't scare me when, it, if somebody's younger than me, I want them to feel empowered and I want to have a great relationship with them so that later in life, if our, if our paths, paths cross, no matter how we can, you know, have a, have an, have a relationship and, and do awesome work together. And that's exactly what got to happen. And so it's a great that's example. Awesome. Of you never know who's going to be your boss, whether it's the mm-hmm. person you buy a car from at the car dealership or whether it's yeah. somebody that you manage. So <laughs> it's just good to treat, even if they're like, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt too. And I try not to write people off, but if somebody, if somebody has a history of being mean to me and they're mean to me all the time, then that's, <laughs> that's a little different. And you know, you, yeah, negativity is contagious. And so you got to s- determine who you want to surround yourself with, but but I'm all about benefit of the doubt and like, but I'm also all about treating people like they might be my boss one day and you should, you should never take that for granted. So that's exactly. one thing that I would tell my future self to keep doing. The, I, mm-hmm. I would say another thing is one thing, like, because I'm in my forties now, I will tell you women, the older that you get, the less you care about what people think about you. And I have, you know, I care about what people think and there's a good in that, but then it can also hurt you if you worry about it too much. So it's good to care about what people think. You want to have a good image and you want to portray yourself well, and you want to have a good reputation and you want to be known for, for doing good work and treating people right. Um, and it Mm -hmm. it feels good to to be known for that. And when people think that of you, um, but you can also get too caught up in it and worry too much. And, and so I, I would tell my future, I would tell my future self, don't get too caught up and, and worrying about, and worrying about things like that. And, um, yeah, and that's, w- that's and good I, advice. And, you know, and then I would always say, uh, I always stick to the, the golden rule. So I just, there's certain things about my roots and that like, because of my spiritual side, this thing that, that builds a firm foundation in my life. And so if I hold mm-hmm. on to those things, treat people as you want to be treated. And then that that's, that's stuff that kind of stays with you your whole life. And so if I can stay on yeah. that course with my future self, then I feel like it'll end up paying off. The, the one thing I was telling you earlier is I haven't tapped into the invention. Like I have a list of inventions and things like that. Mm-hmm. So my future self, I would say, because I, I watch Shark Tank and I love that kind of stuff. And that's all about, they're kind of all about the inventions and stuff. So, you know, I need yeah. to take some leaps of faith when it comes to those types of things and take mm-hmm. a little bit more risk. But um, yeah, 
but yeah, those are, those are just a couple of things that I would probably tell my future Listen, self. Listen, that's great <laughs> advice for your future self. I mean, I always tell people, you know, you have to always treat people right. And you never know where you're going to meet your next client or your next boss. Because yes. even though, yes, we, we like to say being an entrepreneur is working for yourself, you're your own boss. When you get a client, that client actually becomes your boss. <laughs> oh, you know, for sure. that's well, that's the part that people don't they don't always connect those dots. So, absolutely. you know, the way you represent yourself in meetings whether it's coming prepared. Listen, because you know I'm all about a good PowerPoint and you are phenomenal at making a <laughs> fantastic PowerPoint presentation. Listen, do not be afraid of PowerPoints. <laughs> oh, no, I know. I love I love presentations and I love speaking. And that's, that's another thing for the future. Well, I would even just give this advice to anybody is be able to stand in the mirror and give yourself a pep talk because doing that kind of stuff. I feel like people are scared to speak and scared yep. to like share their story. And so I feel like, like 20% of the world does it. And everybody, there's so many more people that need to be jumping on that track and, and kind of getting mm -hmm. over those fears, but it starts with yeah. giving yourself pep talks and hearing how yourself sounds and, and talking those things out. And then, and then it becomes easier to share them with other people. Cause I, mm -hmm. I would love, that's one of my goals is just to help people overcome those fears of being able to speak yeah. and share their story. And if anything, if anybody pulls anything away from this podcast today, I would be like, just try to get out there and tell your story and share it. And and you never know who you're going to motivate or who you're going to help to want to, you know, you might trigger somebody to make that move. And that even if I never find out about it, I don't care, but just the thought of that, even the possibility of that happening feels so good. And I just think that there, yeah. you know, there's, there's too much good in that to, to not speak and to not, you know, share. Exactly. You can't beat that. So let's shift gears a little bit. So I, I know that we love to talk about how great it is being an entrepreneur, but um, <laughs> one of the things that you, that you, that's kind of not really realistic when it comes to being an entrepreneur is work-life balance. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because we're always on, you know. So tell us a little bit about how you're able to balance motherhood and your business, as well as because you're an entrepreneur, your day job as well. So there's one word that comes to mind, and that would be transparency. So whenever I start a job, or whether it's a project, or whether it's going, um, you know, to work. I'm always upfront about that and say, I want to be number one at my job, but I also want to be a number one parent. And so mm -hmm. I, through all of that, I will, I will be completely upfront and say, let me count this really quick. I have had, so that was Air 203. That was Southside Creative. That was um, Boy Buchanan. And then that was, now that's RGI, the where I'm now. So the last four career moves I've made, I've also been a mother. So at mm. those places, when I go to interview and when I go to tell them about, you know, what I want to do for them, I'm very transparent in the fact that I say, I want to be number one here at, you know, at this job, but I also want to be a number one mom. And that mm -hmm. means that those two schedules collide sometimes. So yeah. that might mean that she's going to be here one day, or that might mean I need to leave early to go watch her play a sport, or I need to go pick her up. And so because I've been transparent about that, like from the beginning at all of my places, then it's, it's never been an issue. And and if it even starts to be, then I would, I'm just going to be honest. I've been blessed the last four places where I was upfront about it and I stuck true to my guns and then, you know, and it, and it worked out and there was, you know, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it's a challenge. You've got a meeting to go to, then 
your kids getting an award and you want to be there and you have to kind of figure out how am I going to make it all work? And it doesn't work. And sometimes I fall short, but as long Mm -hmm. as it's, if it's on my mind and I'm transparent to to all those people, then, then 80% of the time it's going to probably work out, I would say. And, and it has, and that's allowed me the freedom to be able to be balanced in my personal and professional life. Uh, and so that, that's one thing I would say is just be transparent up front and don't be afraid to say, I want to be, you know, and I won't take the job if I can, if I see them flinch when I say that in the interview process, <laughs> I would, I would take that as this isn't the right opportunity for me. And, you know, yeah. we're not, some of us are just trying to find a job and, and be able to collect a paycheck and we can't, we're scared to bring those things up, but I feel like mm-hmm. if, if you don't, then, you know, I feel like that it's maybe not the right opportunity. And you just got to try to find that that's got to be your goal is to find those opportunities and to set yourself up for success in that way. Cause at the end of the day, that's when I can lay my head down at night and I don't have to overthink things going, okay, well I did the best as I could as a parent. I did the best I could at my job. And that's all I can try to do. It's not going to be perfect. It's sometimes it's going to be messy, but if I, but if that's my intention, then it's going to work out more often than not. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with that. Yeah. I actually have had to turn down a job because once I brought that up in the interview, it became the focal point, not my experience. (laughs) None of that stuff mattered. They were just like, okay, um, but are you going to have time to like be able to come here every day and be here a hundred percent of the time? Because at the time my son was homeschooled, but um, when they thought about, okay, yeah, she has a son that's homeschooled. If she's working from home, because I said, listen, if you could just allow me to work remotely, then this can be a true balance for me and I can make this work because I would really like this opportunity. And they just kind of couldn't get past that part. And I said, okay, well, I just know that this isn't the opportunity for me. And I mean, we had done full-blown negotiations and got to the end of the road and that was the deciding factor on if I was going to take the opportunity or not. Sometimes you do have to just put your family first over everything. Oh, well, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And you're, it's funny because you never know how it's going to pay off. So, you know, I, I went and worked for Marriott and I was, when I actually got the job, I was six months pregnant. And so I, you know, usually oh, you, wow. have to be at a, you, you have to be at a company for a year to even get maternity leave. But mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I'm just going to take this job. It seems like the right thing. I feel like they're going to take care of me. I'm going to work my tail off. And I'm going to, mm-hmm. so when it came time for me to have my child, do you know what this company did? <laughs> and they're franchising, but, but so they were like, we want, you know, we're going to give you maternity leave. We're going to pay for it hundred percent. And we're going to give you six wow. weeks to do that be, because you, you produce so well, because you work so hard at your job, we're going to do that for you. And then you come back at six weeks and, you know, and keep going like, like you never stopped. And so even and because they did that for me, like I, you know, I'm two days after I had my child, I was at Target. I'm just going to be honest. I'm crazy. So I'm not like <laughs> other people in many ways, but, but I will say like, so when, but when that happened, like they were like, take six weeks, get your, you know, get that started. Cause I'm a, I'm a working household and I had every intention, you know, I grew up with a mom that stayed home, but my dream mm-hmm. was to have a child and my dream was to have a career and I want both. So I had to figure yeah. out a way to balance it. I had to figure out a way to balance it all out. And so even mm-hmm. though they said take six weeks, two weeks after I had my child, I cracked open my laptop and I started working because I wanted to show them that I was grateful for what they did to me. And, yeah. and so that, that helped my, you know, and that's, it's funny. Cause you just never know how things are going to work out. Like, you know, even when I was at, um, you, even if you have comp, you know, like some people have non-competes and things like that. And 
I would say nothing's ever written in stone. And if you do good things, then things will come back to you. So whether Mm -hmm. you believe in reaping what you sow, I believe if you put good things in the universe and you do the right thing, then things will come back to you. And so I'm a firm believer in that. And I've been practicing that throughout my whole career and several things that I've put several great things into the universe and things have come back to me as well. And so I, I believe in things like that and it can sound, you know, silly or magical, but I, I do believe if you do good, then good things will happen to you. Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. So, um, you know, how has mentors and the whole mentorship model has, how has that really played an impact in your career? Do you have mentors? Yes or no? How many? Because <laughs> oh, I'm so big on mentors. I, I know. So I'm big on on being inspired and passionate people. And it's, I I mean, I don't really have one person that I say that you are my mentor. I am your mentor. And it's mm-hmm. not necessarily a black and white thing for me. It's my my mentorship and, and inspirational journey, I would say, is more a little bit more uh, fluid to where it's, and it's, uh, anybody that's passionate or inspirational about something, I follow them and I try to uh, attach onto them. Or if I go to a conference and I hear a great speaker and they they inspire me or motivate me, then I go and try to buy their book and read it. But I don't necessarily yeah. have somebody that I work with like one-on-one on a regular basis, but mm-hmm. there's tons of people in my circle of influence and in my network that probably inspire me on a, whether it's my best friend who's crushing it at real estate or, you know, I, I try to surround myself with people that are, that work hard and that, or yeah. overachievers and because I'm an overachiever and I actually, because I've had so many jobs and managed a bunch of different people, I, I find myself to be inspired by people that are like-minded and that, that are, you know, like to go out there and just achieve, achieve, achieve. And those are mm-hmm. the people that, that inspire me and motivate me. And my, my mom is like that. My dad is like that. So I'm kind of like, I was going to get that gene. I feel like I knew I was going to, but I realized <laughs> that I got that gene because my mom and dad had that gene. And so part of it, you're born yeah. with, I think, with that gumption and that natural drive and grit to want to succeed. And then some people mm-hmm. have to, you know, work a little harder at it. But I think once you realize that that's necessary, whether you have it already or have to seek it out, then the more you can surround yourself with that ty- those types of people, the more it's going to pay off for you in life and the more you're going to stay motivated. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So I know you mentioned a little earlier in the conversation um, about how you read some great books and stuff from people that you've seen at conferences. What has been that that book that you feel may have changed your perspective a little bit? Oh, man. So I'm not going to lie. It's really hard for me to sit down and read a book cover to cover. I'm more... <laughs> I'm just not going to lie. And, and that probably makes, that probably took me down. Like people were like, Oh no, we don't know what she's no. talking about. If she doesn't uh-huh. read books. But, <laughs> I, but I will say there's a, there's a cup because I'm spiritual. You know, I will say there's a book that I re- it's called my utmost for his highest and it's a devotional and whether you're spiritual or not, it has the best life lessons in there and it's got great advice and it's real world advice even. And so I, I look to that a lot and that helps keep me grounded. Um, I actually recently got my hands on a book called Deep Change by Robert E. Quinn. And I was told that I need to read this book and that it's going to help me uh, grow from a leadership standpoint. So I, I have that on my list to read. But um, but other than that, I mean, I have a, a ton of marketing books that I look at and stuff, but because I'm more of a field person and I grow and I feed off of kind of seeing what other people do. And so I, I'm mm-hmm. heavily, I'm heavily into like, 
people hate things in their inbox, but I probably intentionally subscribe to about 30 different brands, whether I buy them or not, because I, I want to see what people, if you have a limitless marketing budget, then I want to see what you can do with it. And then I want to see how I can do what I can do with whatever my budget is. So I want to always see what the best of the best do. And then, so I, that's something I recommend for anybody, any business owner to go, cause it's free Intel. So I'm all about intelligence and like, how do mm-hmm. I get that intelligence? And so I can read about people's life experience, which I think is great, but I, I like, I'd rather listen to their life experiences, like at a speaker session. And then I want to go and see the work that's being done. And that, that's really what fuels me and drives me more than sitting down with a good book. Uh, which I think is that my sister's a big reader. So like I, I've got people that mm-hmm. love to read all around me, but but I really get get things out of looking at examples of what other people are doing and then figuring out how I can do it or put my spin on it. And so th- that's kind of how I approach it, which is, it's this is an unconventional answer, I know, but I'm, no, I'm unconventional in different ways. And so this is one of my unconventional ways probably is how I get uh, like the mentorship motivational type of uh, yeah. type of stuff. Listen, see, I started out as a avid book reader. Um, I always say in, in my household, I'm the one who likes to read me and my son. And but there are other ways. Like <laughs> there are other ways to to gain knowledge. Like, you know, with yes. with, with with my with my 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 main my main honey, <laughs> the original <laughs> honey. Yes. Uh honey with, number with one. My, yeah. Yes, honey number one. Yeah. He is <laughs> the most intelligent person you will ever meet but he is the type of person where he would he would rather kind of do what you do where he subscribes to different um different blogs and things like that and that's the way he gains his knowledge but he is a pure researcher so that's there are different ways that he can that he likes to research yes and I'm a researcher. he's yeah yeah and and that's the way he gains his knowledge and i think that's really important for um, people to know that you don't have to be an avid reader in order to be successful. <laughs> you just well, have to figure know, out a way to always gain knowledge. You know right, what I I'm mean? I'm hungry for the knowledge, right? I mean, so when I was at my first agency, we would we would get Harvard Business Review and we would read these case studies and my boss would take out the ending and we would go through the case study and try to come up with our own ending. And then we would read mm. the actual ending to see how it all matched up. And so, and I, I did this ethics certification course and, um, and like advertising ethics, and we did the same thing for that. So I'm, I love case studies and I'm all about kind of, and I like producing them, but I also like reading them. And I think that that's always a great, I, I always want to know what the problem was, how, where were the ways to solve it? How, what did the result end up being? And, and that's, yeah. that's the kind of knowledge that I like to soak up. Yeah, that's listen, the case studies part is uh-huh. so important. Before I have been able to even have conversations with um on the B2B side, when I've when I'm sitting down with new clients, they want to know the proof that you have yes. to show that you can do all of this oh. stuff and that you can produce. And I think case studies play a major, major role in that. And you are oh, so yeah. great at doing that. <laughs> and just talk <laughs> about kind of your process, because a lot of entrepreneurs don't know how to build a case study. You know, I love uh, how you can do it in a one pager. Like it does uh, not need to be a hundred page case study. No one is going to read that. <laughs> uh, well, I just need, I, I would say, give me the person that was at ground zero. I need to know who was there, who knows how it all went down. I need a 15 minute phone conversation with them. And then I'm going to come out with a case study. Uh, cause that's, I think 
case studies, like you said, they're tangible. So it's like an it's actual proof, something that you can look at and hold on to. And hey, these people know what they're doing. So I'm gonna, so whether it's from a sales standpoint or whether it's from a professional development standpoint, mm-hmm. you know, case studies are, are, are just are, are so awesome. But the, the easy thing about them is that you can break them down into pieces. And so you break them down into what the challenge was that you were, or what the problem that was trying to be solved or what's the opportunity that came to you. So that's always the first part. It either comes to you as a problem, a challenge or an opportunity. Then Mm -hmm. the next part is, okay, what was our plan? How did we want to approach this challenge, problem or opportunity? And then what ended up happening based on what our solution that we came up with and did it all work out the way we wanted it to. And so and then mm. so it's three, the case study is three, three core pieces. And so it's, you know, and people don't always, aren't always good at like telling you exactly, like even when I'm having a conversation with somebody, when I'm building the case study, I just say, oh, you know, you guys got $50,000 or a hundred thousand dollars in revenue from this one, this one situation. Tell me about that situation. And I'll, I'll just ask a couple probing questions, but then from that, I can organize it because people just don't always think that way from those three mm-hmm. standpoints. Uh, but but mm-hmm. that's kind of, if you're a marketer or if you're in sales, you want to learn those three pieces and you want yeah. to learn and, and, you know, and you want to have conversations with people because even clients, clients are like, what case study? I don't know. I don't want to put my name on, you know, they get all worried in the semantics of it, but really you just want to tell mm-hmm. how a problem got solved and, and you don't have, you don't have to put their name in it. Even I don't, I don't think clients care about that as much, even as, you know, if, the, if, if it is a big brand and they let you, that's great. But just the fact that you have experience doing things like that. And I think if you're, whether you're trying to build your career or start a new business, if you have ways to share that, I think it's it's so invaluable. Like you said, it helps close deals yeah. and people want to hear that stuff. So, mm-hmm. and, and I also think like it can be print form, but you can figure out, Hey, what's the video of this look like? Or if I'm going to do a social media post about this, what what does that look like? And that's, that's kind of the the framework of content. And when you're, and that's a whole nother podcast. When you want to come up with a content strategy for your business, how do you do about <laughs> that? And we could spend an yeah. hour talking about that, but that the case study thing is, is such an important part of your, of anybody's content strategy. So. Yeah, I agree. Um, also talk a little bit about how important it is to really take into account different ways of getting that strategy out there, whether it's um, through video, for for instance, you were just talking about that. I love how how there are different types of video concepts. People sometimes think that, okay, well, if I'm doing a video, it's just going to be me talking into a camera. There are other ways to get your point across and it look, and sometimes it can look a lot better than what what you, what you're thinking about. Cause I I love your approach to that. Well, and I, there's actually two approaches. So I, I break it down two ways. I call it refined and unrefined. So refined content is when you hire a, a video company and they produce something amazing for you. And it's it's very structured and there's a budget behind it and, and there's expenses. And so that's the more expensive way to approach it. But then there's unrefined content. But the funny thing is unrefined content is cheaper to pull off, but it's more valuable to audiences because they don't want something mm-hmm. that's overly produced. It, it almost seems faker. They almost are like... Is this believable? They want it to be a little bit, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. People aren't looking for perfect. They're looking for Mm -hmm. real and they're looking for, in order to be able to connect to that, that, that's what they're looking for. Something that can be uh, created on an iPhone or Mm -hmm. made in 15 minutes or going live, things like that are all, you know, easy ways to create unrefined content. Yeah. Love it. Love it. And I know even like the animation, um, that's something that you talk to me a lot about too. 
just the words, not even the person on the screen, but the words on the screen, you know? Oh, and, you know, the, the great thing about digital nowadays is that, you know, it's been around long enough to where there's apps. Uh, like Adobe has this thing called Adobe Spark, and it's software created so you can make quick videos, whether they're 15, 30, 60 seconds long, where you can put words on the screen, and it's, you know, taking your thoughts, putting them on the screen, and then putting uh, images or photos behind it, and you're creating an mm -hmm. impact that way. And so I, yeah. I could probably send you or come up with like five different apps that do that now, and they might cost 99 cents, uh, or they might be free, but that's that's one easy way to to kind of put some video out there to tell to convey a message, but you don't have to put yourself out there, which I think a lot of people are afraid of doing that. <laughs> yeah, they are. They definitely are. <laughs> yeah. So it has been so awesome having you in the circle today. I want to thank you so much, Casey, for joining the Boss Versation today. We got to talk about some really great things around digital and social media marketing. And I think it was amazing. And I'm pretty sure a lot of our listeners got some awesome, awesome takeaways from this conversation. So thank you so much. I really oh, appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Today. I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed this conversation. And it's it yes. me. So even, even, you know, I hope I motivate others, but this definitely even motivates me more. So thank you for the time. And I really appreciate it. Yeah. So tell our listeners where they can find you because we definitely want to follow you on social and all those great things. So my, my, I would say my, on Twitter and on Instagram, I'm Casey May Knox, C-A-S-E-Y-M-A-E-K-N-O-X. Uh, and then my, I have CaseyKnox.com uh, and that has all of my, my, all my social roll calls on there as well. And then about.me slash Casey Knox also has all my social roll calls on there. So please connect with, I don't, I love connecting with people. Um, and you know, you never know who you're going to network with or, or have like-mindedness with or a business opportunity with. So I encourage people to connect with me and I, you know, love to start conversations. So. Perfect. Thank you, Casey. You're welcome. Thanks. I like this. Join us for next week's episode where you'll get to meet one of my boss friends and head over for our Q&A on My Boss Circle TV at mybosscircle.com, our Facebook group, and on our YouTube channel.